Pastor Kenny, and congratulations on your ascension to the throne. <laughs> well, maybe not a throne, but it's somewhat of an ascension. It's good to be with you today. It's always an honor to be asked to speak here at Emmanuel Bible Baptist Church. I count it a real privilege. Barbara does not always know my calendar or schedule. She will ask during the week, usually, where are we going to be next week or where, you know, what's coming up. And uh, she made plans to be with her daughter, our daughter Carrie, taking care of Carrie's three boys. They're uh, 12, 15, and 16. 16-year-old has a job. Uh, the two others are in sports, so they're, she's the taxi lady this week while my, my daughter and her husband are on vacation in Florida. So uh, when she found out it was Emmanuel Baptist that I was going to be at today, she was really very disappointed. So you can uh, note that she loves coming here, and, and uh, she was looking forward to spending some time with Mrs. Legault, but Mrs. Legault's not here anyway. I think she, apparently she's with her husband, so that happens. We've had strange things here. I came in one day to preach here, and Mrs. Legault came in that door over there, clear across the foyer, and says, don't get near me. My husband came down with COVID. <laughs> He wasn't there that day. She wasn't here. She came down with it the next week. So anyway, God, we've had a lot of good fellowship with her and Pastor Legault over the years. And also appreciate Brother Kenny and his family. It's nice to see him develop and grow. It's been an exciting kind of see. You know, one of the advantages of getting older is you get to see young people grow up and, and begin to walk with God and, and develop a, a ministry. And that's an exciting thing for me personally. I'm involved right now with three young men that I've been mentoring for two years now. Uh, the third one was added last year, but uh, God's been good, and, and it's, it's a blessing to see that, you know, uh, the Bible says that, that God's still true for every generation. His mercy lasts for generation after generation, and it's good to see God calling men into the ministry. There is a shortage right now of men studying for the ministry, and there are a number of churches looking for pastors. So each week on Arise, our newsletter, I send out a cover letter. I've been asking for prayer for churches without pastors, and uh, it continues to be a need, and we need men. Jesus said, pray for the laborers. A lot of people are coming home from the mission field. A lot of missionaries are coming home, and there's a shortage of missionaries around the world, shortage of pastors, and we need men to come up and it's good to see hear the report of uh, preachers from this church that God is able to use. The Word of God says, I, I mentioned the literature table, uh, there's, we do send a newsletter, some of you, or a lot of you already get it, but if you do, would like to receive our newsletter, it comes out each week, I take one main news story. This week, there are so many different stories, there's not a main story, so just a whole bunch of things that are happening in the country and in the state. Uh, and it's mailed out through Daryl Zigafoos, so it'll come with Daryl's name on it, Daryl Zig. And uh, if you'd like it, it's free, sign up for it. The literature is all free, as was already mentioned. The series is called The Truth About. There are 25 active titles right now. One that I'll set aside is on Patrick, St. Patrick, since we're past St. Patrick's Day. Patrick was an evangelical minister. Did you know that? He's really a missionary evangelist. Uh, and his life parallels the Apostle Paul. So he's really a remarkable individual. But, uh, you know, we won't think about him until next March, right? When they bring out the shamrock shakes and we'll start thinking about St. Patrick's Day. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. 
Matthew 24. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All the Bible is written for us. It was not all written to us. You have to have discernment, and that discernment comes by study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. Matthew chapter 24 is a part of, is the beginning, 24 and 25 are the Olivet Discourse. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples about last things. Matthew is written primarily to the Jews. He presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. We have four Gospels. Each Gospel presents a kind of a different picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, different perspective, so that we have a better understanding of who Jesus was and what he was like. Matthew presents him as the king of the Jews. In the tribulation period, a lot of Jewish people are going to be curious about the New Testament. What book would they read? Well, if you're going to open a book, you start the first chapter, don't you? So you're going to turn to Matthew. So Matthew is at the front of the gospel. That's why God placed it in the New Testament. That, see, nothing happens by accident with God. God knows what he's doing. And this is written primarily to the Jewish people. Mark was written primarily to the Romans. Romans were interested in the details. Most of you are not old enough to remember Dragnet, unless you have cable TV. Sergeant Friday used to say, just the facts, ma'am. And witnesses would go on and on and on. He'd just give me the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. And the Romans were interested in just the fact. Just tell us what, what's going on. So Mark presents Jesus as a servant of God, which kind of would have blown the Roman mind. They thought strength was power and you put people down. And here's the servant who conquers demons and disease and death. Um, he's the Messiah. He's the Christ. Luke presents him as the son of man. Luke was a doctor, and so he was particularly fascinated by all the miracles of Jesus. So we have more miracles in the Gospel of Luke. It's the longest of the Gospels, 24 chapters, and some of the chapters are really very, very long. Now, Luke has more, Matthew has more chapters, but the chapters are not nearly as long as Luke's. Luke presents Jesus as the Son of Man and the great physician. He, he's constantly talking about the miracles and the healings, and he's the one that gives us the details of the virgin birth, for instance. A doctor would have been very interested about that. Virgins don't have babies. This virgin had a baby. That's a sign. How do we know it's a sign? He tells us it's from Isaiah. The Lord himself shall give you a sign. John is my favorite gospel. John kind of, it's like he takes wings and soars. He presents Jesus as the Son of God. Matthew begins with the genealogy. Luke begins with the birth of Christ. Mark begins with the ministry. But John goes back and says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he presents Jesus as God himself. Well, in Matthew 24... The disciples are, have asked two questions. They're in verse 3. When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Now, they're, they're concerned about what's going to be coming. What's the future? They are still thinking in terms of a kingdom rather than Jesus being crucified. 
uh, even though he's told them he's going to be crucified, they have not gotten that. They have not grabbed a hold of that. They're still arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. But they are curious, and Jesus has promised, uh, talked about a temple being destroyed, not one rock left upon another, and they said, when's this going to happen? When will these things be? When, what is the end of the world? And Jesus says in verse 4, Jesus answers, said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Now, the mystery of the church was not revealed yet. That was revealed to the Apostle Paul. There are two references to the church in Matthew. Matthew 16, Christ said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then in Matthew 18, when he talks about discipline, if a brother offends you, you go privately to them. Then you go with a partner, parallelly, and then finally you go publicly, you tell it to the church. So Jesus has given them the idea of the church, but the church wasn't really born to the day of Pentecost. And the idea of the church, the, although in the plan of God from the beginning, was not revealed. It was a mystery in the Old Testament. Not revealed, not revealed even in the Gospels. It's not till we get to Acts that the church really comes into existence when the Holy Spirit indwells the believers and they become one body, a church. And we read in chapter 2 in the day of Pentecost, they were added, that day, added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So there's a church that comes into existence. Now part of that revelation is the rapture of the church. The next thing in God's prophetic timetable is the rapture of the church. I believe, and I think I'm going to show you in a few minutes why I think that's coming very soon. I believe we're living in the end times. This know in the end times, perilous times shall come. I think these are those times. I think we're there. Jesus talked about the generation that sees the birth of Israel will not pass. I was born in 1948. Israel was born in 1948. I didn't see it, but I was around when it happened. I think it's my generation. Now, one by one, I've been losing friends the last couple of years. God's promoted them to glory. It's okay. My time may come, if that's true. But I really, you know, I, I'd like to be with Paul. We which are alive remain to the coming of the Lord. I'd like to be in that alive group. Uh, you know, the dead of Christ is going to rise first. We're not going to stop them. We're not going to prevent those who are asleep. But I'd like to be in that alive group, and I think I am. I think that's my generation. I could be wrong. Christ could come back anytime. There are no signs. Nothing has to be done. Everything's set. The world stage is already set. But listen, there are an awful lot of things been happening in the last few years that suggests the world is getting ready for the Antichrist. <laughs> the devil's at work. The mystery of iniquity doth already work, John says. It's been working a long time. I think Satan has had men prepared to be the Antichrist to step in the role because I don't think he knows the time either. And when the rapture happens, the next thing that will happen is the man of sin will be revealed. He's called the son of perdition. Now, I'd like to just kind of give you an update what's going on. For you, many shall come in my name, 
saying, I am the Christ and shall deceive many. That can be taken two ways. One, there are people that, are that will say, Jesus is the Christ, he is the Christ, and yet deceive many. They're false prophets. They're, they teach a false message. The other way it could be understood is people say, I am the Christ and deceive many. Sun Moon, for instance, proclaimed himself to be the Messiah. He said Jesus failed in his mission and that he would succeed, although he ended up dying. I think the one that's more common is people who say Jesus is Christ, but then are deceivers. Ben or Jim Baker was, uh, still is, I guess, a famous man. He was on TV back in the 80s, had a big scandal, remember? Uh, some of you aren't old enough to remember, but those are you. It's a big scandal. He ended up going to prison. He had been preaching a prosperity gospel. God wants you healthy and wealthy, and if you'll just believe, you can have an end. Part of that involves giving a financial gift to his ministry, and well, God will bless you and multiply it a thousandfold, all this kind of stuff. And he wasn't alone in all that, but he went to prison, and in prison he read the scriptures, and he wrote a book afterwards, I Was Wrong. I bought the book because I was curious. And in the book, that's the only thing he said he was wrong about. <laughs> and he's back to where he was. He, he realized that, you know, God may want you poor. You know, God has not given you everything you want. You'd be a spoiled brat. God knows what you can handle. Most of us couldn't handle riches. That's why we don't have them. Well, Jim Baker's now wrong about the return of Christ. He thinks Christ is going to come at the end of the tribulation. He misunderstands this passage in, in the Olivet Discourse. And so he's selling survival food and generators and all these kinds of things. He's back to his old tricks. I heard one of these false hucksters. I uh, actually heard this by when I was flipping through the channels, saw this guy was on, thought I'd see what he was saying. And an evangelist on TV said, the Holy Spirit told me to tell a woman that if she would write a big enough check, God would save all of her family. That is wicked. That is wicked. And she wrote this big check. You know, I had a, a good friend that went to Catherine Coleman. Uh, she wanted to be healed. She thought she had MS and she waited patiently in line in her wheelchair, and they ran out of time. They didn't have time to pray for her. But, you know, there's a lot of people that think, if I just have enough. I used to, in, when I was pastoring in Otsego, Michigan, I went to, to a Borges Hospital, and they had a clergy file. And I used to like to go through it and, and see the people from the neighborhood Pentecostal church that were in the hospital. Apparently, didn't have enough faith to be healed, right? It's false gospel, false teaching. Uh, it's so prevalent out there. Uh, one of the false teachings is, that's out there that I see very common on Facebook is only the writings of Paul are scripture for us. That's nonsense. Or that Peter preached a different gospel than Paul preached. There's only one gospel, folks. There are different aspects of it, but there's only one gospel. Uh, you know, rightly dividing the word of truth. There are many deceivers in the world today. You have to be careful what you listen to.
one of the young men in my first church, would change his doctrine all the time depending on the last book he read. He'd read a book and that would be the way it is. And then he'd read another book and that'd be the way it is. He'd read another book. I said, you know, you really probably need to get rid of all those books and just start reading the book. You read the book, it'll keep you straight. Well, false teachers. Then wars and rumors of war. Do you realize how dangerous a place the world is right now? Um, President Biden said the number one threat to the United States is global warming. The Secretary of State of the Navy this week repeated that in an interview. He was asked, what is the greatest threat to the United States? And he said, global warming. That makes me nervous. I think the number one threat to the United States right now is China. China is making all kinds of moves. They're aggressive. They want to dominate the world. They are doing things like building islands in the Pacific, uh, making treaties in friendship with others. The president of, of China just this last week was in Russia, making an agreement with Russia and a partnership, and they've talked about a new world order. Well, the Bible in Revelation talks about an army from the east of 100 million people. Who could do that? China. It's the only nation that could. Russia is certainly a threat. Uh, Putin is talking again today about using nuclear weapons. He invaded Ukraine not just in, a year ago. I keep hearing in the, the one-year anniversary. It wasn't one year. That war started in 2014 when Russia grabbed Crimea. But the aggression that's lasted for a year is getting worse. Russia seems to be getting its tail whipped. Surprisingly so, we're spending millions of dollars defending the border of Ukraine when we should be defending the border of the United States. But having said that, Russia threatening to use nuclear weapons even on NATO allies, which would bring us into World War III. Iran is developing nuclear weapons. It was said recently that they're only a few months away from having the capability of delivering a nuclear device anywhere in the world, or in the continental, eastern continental United States. Um, North Korea is developing missiles, intercontinental missiles. They've been shooting every once in a while over Japan. They are developing intercontinental missiles, and so is Iran, not just to reach Israel or to reach uh, Japan, but to reach the United States. I don't think uh, Israel will allow Iran to develop that nuclear weapon, so I wouldn't be surprised to hear of an attack which could trigger World War III. We're, we're living, there's wars and rumors of war all over. No question about it, we, we live in a time of conflict. Secondly, um, it talks about pestilences. Uh, we know what pestilences are now, don't we? With COVID-19. We're still, it's still a threat. It's still out there. There's more treatments, more early diagnosis, but it's still out there. It's still a problem. But we're facing all kinds of disease. Who'd have thought that scientists would be working on enhancing germs or viruses and yet we've got evidence that that is true. The United States has been funding some of that. And where do we put the lab? China. 
That makes sense to anybody? Well, earthquakes. I heard a report this week. Most earthquakes are not recorded. We had one in western New York. I was in Buffalo having breakfast in a hotel, and all of a sudden the whole table shook, and I thought maybe a truck had hit the motel or something. It was an earthquake. Kind of unsettling. Didn't last long. It was brief. No, no damages that I know of, but I did a little study, and they said there's something like 20,000 earthquakes happening in diverse places. Well, I think, I think we see the beginning of sorrows. Now, I believe these particular things are going to be the first judgments in the tribulation. So I, I, although we see the preparation and we see what's going on, you know, I remember being a teenager and hearing Jack Van Impey talk about the coming war with Russia from Ezekiel, and I, I went out of the building thinking, boy, this could be it. I was looking at the sky to see if it was broke. I don't know that we have to have a war with Russia before the rapture. I think it could happen any moment, any time. Well, what, what should we do with this? Well, number one, it says, be not troubled. If you read the news, you can be troubled. I recommend never re watching the news before you go to bed at night. It, it just don't sleep well if you do. Just put that aside. If that's part of your habit, listen to the weather. They give that first and go to bed. Okay. Uh, I used to tell my deacons, nothing good happens after 11 o'clock at night anyway. So, you know, get, take care of it. Um, don't be troubled. Why? These things are predicted. God's keeping his promises. He's preparing the world for his return. During COVID, there were a lot of stores that had signs, no masks, no service. Every time I saw that, I thought, so all you have to do is cross out that X and put an R, no mark, no service. That's all it would take. We're moving toward a non-cash society. If you haven't noticed that, uh, your bills now, they want you to go paperless. The banking, you know, you don't want to have to deposit a check. You can go paperless. You can do it all by computer. You know, I'm not ready to do that, but, you know, so all you have to do is have a, you have to have a mark. Well, I think the world's getting ready. I think we're being conditioned. And Satan is going to come up with a colossal lie to explain it all. Part of that is false teachers. So what should we do? Number one, be alert. Be alert. Be alert that there are false teachers out there. Be alert to what's going on in the world, but don't be troubled. Don't let it upset you. Why? Because God is a refuge and strength. Our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1. God knows what he's doing, and he's able to care for his own. He will care for you, even in the midst of difficult times. So number one, be alert. Then turn to Romans chapter 13. This is a chapter about government. And it ends in kind of an interesting way. Beginning in verse 21. And knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believe. The night is far spent, the day's at hand. 
Let us therefore cast off the work of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife or envying. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Second thing is be awake. Be awake. Vance Havner, a Southern Baptist evangelist who's now with the Lord, said, Our churches are sound, sound asleep. And I'm afraid he's right about that. Uh, not only as far as politics is concerned, I, I see that all the time, but as far as the times as well. We're living in the last times. So we better wake up. We better, it's not time to sleep, folks. Sleep's a good thing. God has given us the gift of sleep. Um, I have a cat. That cat sleeps most of the time, 23 out of 24 hours, I think. Uh, they're sleeping machines, you know. And she can, she can drop, bang, just like that. But, you know, one noise, and boy, she's alert. It was noisy last night at my house. Was it your house, too? We had real strong winds that blew in, and boy, the whole house was shaking. That cat kept me awake by the night, meowing. She didn't like that at all. Well, we need to be awake to what's happening. The time is short. How much longer do we have? I, uh, I'm 75 now. I thought it would take a lot longer to get this old. <laughs> Somebody pointed out to me it took 75 years, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, you realize time is short. Don't have much time left. I don't know how much time I have. You don't know how much time you have either. God could call you home today. The trump could sound before we get home. <laughs> well, I guess if the trump sound, we would be all be home, wouldn't we? Well, at least hope all of us would be. So what should we do? He says, Wake up. Wake up. If Christ were to return today, do you have loved ones that would be left behind? When was the last time you talked to them about the Lord? When was the last time you gave them a gospel track? A personal witness? People will be left behind, friends. 1970s, there was a book left behind, a movie, I guess, a movie I saw, left behind. It presented what happens at the rapture. Have you thought about that? For us, the rapture is glorious. We're going home. But for the world, the worst time ever to come upon the face of the earth is going to happen then. Wake up. So how do you wake up? He says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not as in rioting or drunkenness or chamberling or wantonness. None of those things should be a part of the Christian's life. Instead, we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. We've got to stop playing with the flesh, playing with sin. And it says, it also says we're to cast off the works of darkness. You have to cast some things out of your life. Some things don't belong there. Get rid of them. Get rid of them while it's there. One last thing. 1 John chapter 2. And now little children, verse 28. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. 
And now little children abide in him, though when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not appear, appear, it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When I was a boy on a farm, during the summer, in particular spring and summer, my dad would work all day in the fields. He would give me a list of things that I was supposed to do. Now, I had normal chores I did every morning and every afternoon, before and after school. But in the summertime, in particular, he would give me a list of things I needed to do. And he would say, now, you can do these anytime you want to during the day. But when I come back tonight, this afternoon, to milk the cows, I want these things done. We had an old John Deere tractor. If you know John Deere's, they have a certain sound, a putt-putt. I still hear it in my mind, that John Deere coming down the lane. Putt-putt, putt-putt, putt-putt. Now, if I had done the work that Dad had asked me to do, I ran to greet him. I was glad to see him. But if I hadn't done what I was supposed to do, I suddenly tried to do in five minutes what should have taken a few hours. I'd suddenly get busy because I was ashamed to see him at his appearing. Jesus Christ is going to come soon. Are you going to be ashamed at his appearing? Bill Packer was a good friend. Promoted to glory, 1980. Gun accident. The only argument Bill and I ever had was how his use of a gun, a pistol. He used to take a pistol and twirl it with his hand. He ended up shooting himself. That's how he died. But he and I were in the same youth group. We went off to Bible college together. We worked in a church together, just he and I leading a youth group and working together. We used to sleep in the front of the church, take our sleeping bags and roll them out in the front of the church and just sleep. One uh, Sunday morning, we overslept. People started coming while we were still in our sleeping bags. And we slept in our underwear. So uh, it was a little bit embarrassing, to say the least. Bill was a great friend. I remember one of his messages, one of the youth groups. He told a story of how when he was a boy, he was invited to a birthday party and he forgot to tell his mom. And, the, and he realized it was that day and he said, Mom, I need to go to the birthday party. She said, well, you haven't got a gift. He said, that's okay, he won't, he won't mind. So Bill went to the birthday gift and they opened up the gifts at the party and one by one his friend got the gifts and thanked him and then he turned to Bill and Bill said, I'm sorry. I don't have a gift for you. Bill said he never forgot that day, how ashamed he was. But he said, you know, there's coming a day where I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And my works are going to be judged, whether it be gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, stubble. He said, I don't want to stand before the Lord with no gift in my hand. Nothing that I can give him ashamed at his coming. Oh, friend, don't be ashamed. But then there's one other thing I want to mention, because we can't move on without saying this. Jesus Christ is coming soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? We need to be alert. We need to be awake. 
but we also need to be assured. Be assured. Be assured of your salvation. I've told you before my story. When I was a child, I went to Sunday school and church from the time I was born, really. My parents, the second week I was born, I was in church. And I heard the gospel over and over. And as a teenager, I, just turning a teen, 12, during the year I was 12, I went through a time of terrible doubt. One Sunday night, just shortly after my 13th birthday, which had been 1961, pastor preached a message. I don't remember what it was, but the invitation was, have thine own way, have thine own way. And it was though the Holy Spirit, for a long time, I'd been kind of struggling with this. Am I saved or not saved? Am I saved? Maybe I should go forward. I wasn't sure. And I would stay and sometimes grab the front pew and hang on for dear life as though I was going to drown or something. That Sunday night in February, 1961, I stepped out, walked to the front. The pastor said, Tom, why did you come? He said, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. He had one of the deacons, Bob Brand, to take me downstairs and open the word of God and show me. He walked me down the Romans road. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. But God committed his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. He ended with chapter 10, verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When he got to that point, he said, Tom, would you like to call on the Lord to save you? And I said, well, Mr. Branda, I think maybe I've already done that. He said, Tom, that's not good enough. You don't want to think maybe, you want to know for sure. You want to know for sure that you've been saved. So tell you what, why don't you pray and ask God to save you? If he hasn't saved you already, he won't be mad, saved you already, he won't be mad at you. You know, but you'll know from this date forward that you're saved. That's why I point back to that date. It's the day I made sure of my salvation. My kids, one by one, received Christ as their Savior when they were four or five years old in vacation Bible school. Each one of them, I said, now, if there comes a time in your life where you're not sure, the most important thing in the world is to make sure of your salvation. Don't feel embarrassed. You don't have to apologize to me. But if you ever doubt it, then you make sure. And one by one, they did. My son called one year from Bible college. In between, he was just there, I think, for fresh, after his freshman year, and he said, Dad, I, I'd like to stay in Clark Summit, and I'd like to uh, stay with some friends and work here. I've got a job lined up, and I don't want to come home for the summer. I said, Kevin, I'm not ready for you to do that. I, I want you home. We miss you, and we need you here. And He said, Dad, I, this is really important to me. So I gulped. You know, one of the hardest things that a parent does is let go. If you haven't done that... Well, the toughest days of your life is when you drop that kid off to college and see them in the rearview mirror. It is. So I agreed, finally. I took a gulp and agreed. End of the summer, I had the opportunity to be with him there before he came home. And he said, Dad, I, I know you didn't want me to do this, but it was really important to me. I said, Kev, why was it important? He said, Dad, I really needed to know that it's real. You and Mom are Christians. I went to a Christian school. I'm in a Christian college. If 
but I have to know, I had to know for myself, is it real? And then he teared up and so did I. He said, Dad, it's real. It's real. Do you have that kind of assurance? Are you ready? If today were the day Christ returns, would you be taken? It's only for the brethren. It's only for Christians. People are part of the family of God. It's for the church. Are you a part? Or would you be left behind? Today should be your day of decision. Make sure today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise of your return. In this world, we see a lot of trouble. We see a lot of woe. But for the believer, we also see your hand at work. And Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you're preparing the world for that day when the trump will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to ever be with the Lord. We're looking forward to that day. I pray, God, that every person in this room is ready. In the meantime, help us to be alert, awake, and assured. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor.